0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, Jesus appoints 72 disciples, whom he sent ahead of him in pairs, to every town and village he intended to visit. Now, if you want to see what our church really looks like, In the early days, as well as in the 21st century, go to this gospel passage. It describes our church and its mission in great detail. Our Catholic church is a missionary church. We have always been that way. We are a people who are sent out into this world to do God's will. It's a basic biblical truth. From the time of the Old Testament, even until now, God's people are sent on mission. Give you some examples. Moses, he sent to free the Israelites enslaved by the Egyptians in order to lead them to the promised land. Jeremiah, he sent to preach reform and a new covenant established no longer on stone but written on the Israelites' hearts. Isaiah, he sent to proclaim a time of liberation that would come to the Israelites held in captivity by the Babylonians. John the Baptist, sent to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he tells the apostles to go into the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, now Jesus sends 72 disciples out to all the towns that he intends to visit. Now, the first thing that we can take from this is is that, yes, we are a missionary church. Even now, 2,000 years later, the gospel that Jesus gave us isn't intended for our own private use. We freely receive it from Christ, therefore we freely must give it out. We are all on for this, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ into all our own corners of the world. St. Francis would always tell his monks, preach the word of God every day of your life, and if necessary, use words. By our very actions, they speak louder than words. By the very way in which we live our lives, it's a great way to proclaim the gospel to people in all the corners of our worlds, especially those people that need to hear the word of God. Now, next, it says in the story, Jesus sent them ahead in pairs. Well, our work, the work of the church, is always done together in community. We are not rogue agents on our own as individuals. You know, if that were the case, we would be susceptible to discouragement, frustration, anger, depression. Even we would quit if we were on our own. But the work of the Lord isn't easy. We need to do it together to support each other spiritually, emotionally, even financially. We are always in need of people for support. Look at St. Francis or Mother Teresa. When they were establishing their orders, they always welcomed followers to help them. Next, in the Gospel, it says Jesus said to the disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest, to send out laborers for his harvest. Jesus is telling the 72, before they go out, to pray. Pray every day for their mission and the success of their mission. As I've said many times before, prayer is indispensable in the spiritual life. If you look at St. Benedict, St. Benedict gave his monks the great rule of ora et labora, which is Latin for prayer and work. Benedictines pray five times a day, every day, but also they work throughout the day. And it's a delicate balance, recognizing that both are essential, prayer and doing the work of God. They both complement each other. You know, there's that great story of Billy Graham. You know, before he would enter into a city to preach a crusade, He would send a group of followers to a city months before he was scheduled to go to that city to do a crusade. That group had one task and one task only, to pray for the success of the crusade. And that's all they did. In fact, Billy Graham would always attribute the success of his crusades to prayer. And so prayer is vital. It's vital to the work of the church. We do it every day several times a day with each other at Mass. The Mass is the highest prayer of our church. And so we have to pray for one another. If we don't, we won't succeed in our mission. Next, Jesus gives them specific instructions. He says, Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs amongst wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. In whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Now notice what he says there. Carry no money bag. Here Jesus is highlighting the urgency and the single-minded devotion to the mission. We too must have a single-mindedness in our faith, such that nothing, nothing at all, Money, materialism, fame, fortune, power, honor should distract us or take us away from that mission to do God's work, to do God's will. Jesus said, remember just last week, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Well, Jesus and the apostles lived a very simple life. If you look at the lives of the saints, go back to St. Benedict. You know, he was the father of Western monasticism. He lived a life of poverty and simplicity. Well, you see that throughout the lives of the saints. St. Francis, Mother Teresa, they relied upon God's grace and his grace alone. Look at John Paul II. From the time of his boyhood to his papacy, he lived a life of simplicity. Next, Jesus says, Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Well, that recognizes that we have to support the work of the church. We have to support our church. How do we do it? Through stewardship. Stewardship is a lifestyle. Stewardship is recognizing that everything that we have is given to us by God. Thomas Aquinas, I think, puts it best. He says everything that we have, our property, our possessions, flesh, bone, blood, even our thoughts are not ours. They're on loan from God. Well, if we truly believe that, then we can truly share them with others because God has given them to us. What God has given to us, now we freely share with others. And so, we engage and we live out stewardship in which we share our prosperity, our prayers, and our skills and abilities for the benefit of the church. Now, Jesus continues, He says, Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand. Well, the apostles, the disciples, they cure the sick. They cure them spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Well, that work continues on in our very day and age. The church exercises the sacraments of baptism, confession, and anointing of the sick. They become a working extension of Jesus Christ. Now, fast forward to the very end of the Gospel. The 72 come home. It says, The 72 return rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus said, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions even upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Well, the 72 come back rejoicing because they're successful in their mission. Why? Because they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They accepted their mission. They supported each other. They prayed for the success of their mission and they allowed themselves to be used as an instrument of God's grace in this world to do God's will in his work. Well, we must do the same thing. We have to be used, surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit and be used as an instrument of God's grace to do God's will in this world. But what's the temptation? to be what is referred to as a cafeteria-style Catholic. Just like a person enters into a cafeteria and they are able to pick and choose what they want to eat, well, Catholics sometimes take that same perspective themselves. They want to pick and choose what they want to accept and believe about the Catholic Church and what they are opposed regarding the Catholic Church's teaching in matters of faith and morals. Now, if you look at these 72 disciples, they didn't pick and choose to follow Jesus Christ as well as his commands. They didn't say to Jesus, well, you know, I'll accept this mission, but I'm going it alone. And Jesus, you know, I don't have time to pray. I've got so much work ahead of me. Nor can we pick and choose. We can't say to the church, you know, I support the church's mission when it comes to social justice issues. But I don't support the church, nor do I agree or practice the church's position on the sanctity of life. One last thing notice what Jesus says I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky, and behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Well, what are we to make of this? Well, as the kingdom of God is gradually being established in this world back then, and even in our day and age, evil in all of its forms is being defeated. Do you want to combat evil in this world? Well, then accept the mission of Jesus Christ. Carry it out in this world, just like those 72 disciples that were appointed by Jesus in the gospel today. Notice what Jesus says. He says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Well, the saints are all enrolled in God's heavenly book of life. And so Jesus is telling us, discipleship is one in which you should rejoice in the success of your mission. More importantly, we should always rejoice that we participate in the work as well as the life of Jesus Christ. And our names are also written in heaven. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.